Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 16. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Bobby Green. Bobby is a purple belt in Jiu-Jitsu and the co-founder of the nonprofit organization Skate After School. They match talented and enthusiastic volunteers with Phoenix Area Schools to provide skateboard instruction to underserved youth. With the donated skateboard equipment, they're able to engage students in a challenging and exciting extracurricular activity. Bobby got his first job as a freshman in high school and lived on his own since sophomore year at the age of 16, graduating high school while working full-time. He graduated from ASU with a degree in history and promptly started his own valet company that has operated successfully for 11 years. Six years ago, he started Pyramid Country, which provides skateboarding accessories and apparel and is sold all over the world. Bobby is married and the proud father of a 19-month-old daughter. Bobby Green, welcome to the show. Hey, Gustavo. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. For people who don't know, Bobby is a purple belt from GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy, so we know each other for a long time. So he's a perfect guest for the show. And I'd like you to share how did BJJ get into your life? I know how it did it, but how, tell the listeners how BJJ got into your life. Um, it's, a long, it's a long story. I started maybe um, not in Jiu-Jitsu, but um, I had an old roommate, a friend that introduced me to um, Muay Thai kickboxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he was um, telling me about where to go train hey go train over here this is where Gustavo teaches and uh, you're gonna want to do this maybe this was I don't know 15 years ago mm-hmm. and I went over to the gym and I walked in and I wanted to sign up for jiu-jitsu and I and I looked at the pricing and I was in college at the time and I was on a really really tight budget and um, I saw that kickboxing was like $40 less per month at the time and I was like mm-hmm. well I came to do jiu-jitsu but I think uh, I guess I'm gonna become a kickboxer instead so I did, uh, I did Muay Thai for two years and then just kind of, kind of faded from that. But in that time, in my experience, I would always see Gustavo over at the gym and, um, you know, he always remembered me and we would, we would catch up. And then, uh, maybe eight years later, which is now six years ago, if all my math adds up, right. Mm-hmm. I run into eating lunch, you know, at a spot, I still see you maybe twice a week right here. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let the secret out of Pueblo Supremo yeah. on uh, university and Ash in Tempe is really, really nice. And uh, I ran into Gustavo over there and 
he said, hey, yeah, come train sometime. I said, hey, I'm definitely going to. And I know you hear that a lot from a lot of people probably, but I, you know, I showed up uh, pretty shortly after and I've been training every day for, you know, almost a little over five years now. And I was opening the academy too. That was a perfect mm -hmm. timing because mm -hmm. that's when I was splitting from AZ Combat and I was opening my own jujitsu academy. So you came at a perfect time right in the beginning. Yeah. I ran, and you know, it was funny about that. I ran into you and we were talking about it. And then what ended up happening was I, um, I hurt my back skateboarding like that week or something. Cause I remember I saw you in March and I didn't start till August. So I needed my back to kind of heal up and everything and get feeling good. And I was like, man, Gustavo's going to think that, you know, I didn't want to come. And, and I, I was just somebody who was just talking, you know, and then, then I showed up like, Hey, you know, and then, um, what, what, what month did you open the Academy? That was uh, March 6, 2012. Yeah. It was around that no time. Way. Like, hey, I ran into yeah. you the opening month and yeah. I didn't start the opening month. That's yeah. sad. I should have, I should have yeah. gone in there with my bad back and just figured it out. But no, it was awesome. It was awesome to get started there with your, your own Academy and everything else. And that really stuck with me because I didn't train jujitsu at AZ combat, mm -hmm. but they all had a nickname for me because mm -hmm. I skateboarded forever. So they call me X games mm -hmm. and they call me X or X games. And no one knew my name. And then I walk in and Gustavo's standing at the counter and he's like, Hey, Bobby, what's up? And I'm just like, Hey, what? Like, how's, you know, I don't even take Gustavo's class and he knows my name. <laughs> None of the other guys do. So that's when I run into you. I was like, okay, I've got to go train at your school. So how do you feel BJJ relate to life with a six year so far journey? Um, I think the the main way it relates to life is, is like anything in life. There's always uh, the return on investment. It's just that you get what you give. You know, and I think that's kind of the main thing that you have not necessarily learned through jujitsu, but it's very much reinforced. So, you know, if, if you want to get a result in a tournament and, you know, you think you can do a training twice a week and then you go, you're going to be probably a little bit, um, you know, dissatisfied with the result. Uh, you know, the same with anything else in life. You know, if I want to work on a business or work on a nonprofit and I want to put in, you know, two days a week or two hours a day, then I'm probably not going to get the desired result. And I think that that's, that's kind of the main thing that's been reinforced for me that applies to, you know, pretty much everything else I do in my life. Got it. And when did you have, not just you, but you, Ryan, and Tim, your partners with the Skate After School, when did you guys have the spark to start Skate After School? Um, we got the spark kind of based on, based on the response. Like, it, you know, anything that, that we did with our volunteers and we did with, you know, fellow co-founders, you know, it was, it was sort of like the, this thing that, you know, when you start something organically, that's really positive and you're putting just positive energy into it, then it just kind of keeps coming back in a, in a reinforced, more um, kind of positive result. So, you know, what would happen is we just post something on social media, like, Hey, we're over here doing this and this is really fun. Yeah, look at our volunteers. Um, you know, here's volunteers working with what kids. year was that? Um, 2000, 2012, I believe. Okay. So I think, you know, six years, 2012, 2013, because um, we started out as like a community action project. So it was more just kind of going to like Care Partnership in Mesa and a couple other little places and just working with kids and bringing uh, skateboards and teaching them and, and spending time with them in low income communities. And then, you know, what would happen is, you know, we would just do that with volunteers and stuff that we would scrounge up. We were never raising money. We weren't, you know, a full nonprofit. We didn't even know that we were, you know, going to end up doing that. But what ended up happening is we would be somewhere and maybe say something on social media. And then I run into um, a friend of mine who's a, a PE coach at a local elementary school. And he's, man, this is awesome. You know, can we get you guys over here? You know, can we do this over here at Crockett mm -hmm. Elementary? And that was a, a friend of ours, uh, Josh Mybos. And, 
and I was okay cool yeah let's go let's go check it out over there check with the principal check with the school district is it okay that we come and then they loved it they loved the idea and then okay now we got to put together more skateboards and get more volunteers and then it was just one of those things that just um, you know snowball you know like anything in life right if we if we start something positive and go in a positive direction with it people gravitate towards it and mm-hmm. works out you know works out awesome for everybody so yeah and how was the mindset back then i know well i since i know you well you know you're a very very positive person but i mean did any like doubts fears kind of like man can we do this do i have the time to do this what are some of the concerns that do you feel that maybe held you guys back a little bit of like taking off sooner i, I think i think at the beginning everybody's so tentative you know you want to say uh, yeah, but if we start too big of an operation, like as a, how it operates now as a nonprofit that actually has, you know, a good amount of overhead costs, you start out thinking, well, can we continually raise this money? Can we continually mm-hmm. get people to contribute? Are you always going to, you know, one thing, you know, we didn't worry about necessarily was having the volunteers is there's a lot of skateboarders that want to be involved in the community in this type of way. So we had a lot of positives, but there was the worry that, or a doubt that, hey, are we going to really be able to raise this kind of money to operate year-round, year after year? Because what you don't want to do, and this is where a huge worry comes from, is start up, go show up to five schools with, you know, 40 skateboards at each school and go, yeah, we have, you know, five volunteers every week at the school, 50 skateboards, and, you know, we want to serve 200 kids or 300 kids or more every single week. And, yeah, we'll just be here next year and the year after that and the year after that. And, you know, there's a big, there's a big, you know, hill kind of to climb there to get over to be in your mind, confident and positive that like, we're going to be able to keep delivering at this level. And we're going to keep being able to serve the community for years to come because the mission, you know, was never to do it for a month or a year or to see what next year looks like. It was always to continue to grow and, and exist. So, you know, we started small and we started really cautiously. Um, but then in time, you know, kind of you grow confidence and you realize that, okay, we're going to keep being able to put together a formula that is um, sustainable and, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep being able to deliver and, and for sure just, you know, make it, make it work for years to come. And you guys being able to get partners, especially in a skateboard community or industries, you guys being able to, to get supported by the patent in a few years to maintain this vision and keep going. Yeah, we've found ways, we've, we've learned a lot of ways to kind of keep it going in, in different directions, you know, like when we're able to get, um, you know, time donated from certain skateboard camps through the summer, uh, things like that, like Woodward, you know, and, and uh, the Element Skate Camp in Visalia, like they'll donate passes to the kids and then sponsors like Vans or Etnies, like different shoe companies within skateboarding have sponsored the summer trips and do things with the kids. Like Altamont Clothing has done some like um, collaborations with Skate After School with one of the co-founders, you know, Ryan Lay, he's a professional skateboarder. Um, So he's able to, you know, put together some relationships with a collaboration with, with Altamont and have that benefit Skate After School. So it's really worked out um, super well with, with, you know, with companies wanting to be a part of it and being, you know, uh, willing to step in and help, which has been super nice and beneficial. And also just in the, the way that they help promote us, you know. That's awesome. And now we're getting so much more experience, you know, having the nonprofit, having Pyramid Country, having uh, the Valet um, business. So what do you, based on your experience, what do you feel the entrepreneurs been struggling lately? 
you know, from what you see, sometimes even from friends, you know, you see some of your friends that entrepreneurs are struggling with. Um, a huge thing I think about, especially from early on in my valet business, um, is something that is, is sort of just worry. It's this, this idea that, you know, we spend so much time and energy fixating on a problem that doesn't exist. It hasn't occurred yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and you wear yourself out, you know, you worry yourself sick thinking about it and you see how much this can hold you back. You know, this really held me back personally, where the first three years of my valet business, I thought, oh my gosh, if one of my guys scratches a car, I scratch a car, I'm going to go out of business. I'm not going to be able to afford to fix it because it's a small company and I don't have a lot of money yet. Um, and I would worry, worry about this. And then after three years, finally, I think, you know, somebody scratched a bumper on a car. And then after that happened, I just reach out to them. I deliver them a rental car. I take them through the process of getting it fixed. I take it over to the body shop. They fix the little scratch for $300. I deliver them back their car with a gift card to the restaurant. And they're just elated. They're, oh man, you fixed this problem so good. Like, this is awesome. Your company's awesome. So professional. Thank you so much. And I walked away from that going, I worried every day for three years. I spent three years thinking like, hey, I'm going to go out of business tomorrow if it happens. My phone would ring. Is that it? You know, and, and you realize how suffocating this thought is like how how bad worrying is for anything in your life but especially business i think as an entrepreneur you just have to have that confidence and belief that if something happens i'm going to respond to it well and i'll be able to solve the problem well and i always knew how i was going to solve those problems mm -hmm. but for some reason the worry still still crept in a little too much and still held me back and i think that that's like a huge part of advice i would give any entrepreneur that i see now and in you know, the future is just letting them know, hey, you're going to have a lot of worries, you're going to have a lot of doubts, but just think more about how you'll respond to things when they happen. And just, you know, keep pressing forward, because chances are what you're worrying about isn't going to happen anyways. That is so true. And very often, you know, people are saying like, man, and if it doesn't work, and I say like, and what if it works? And what if works? You know, why do you have to go there? Yeah. It's okay yeah. to understand, like, be prepared, you got to be realistic. But very often, my wife get she she has this pattern of always being worried. So I always say like, what 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 if it works? Hopefully it will work. But if it doesn't, I'll deal when it gets to the point. You know, I can't put all that energy, that negative energy, something that yeah. we have absolutely no control of it, and just gonna bring anxiety. Yeah, I I mean I can't tell you how much energy I wasted on that, and then it happens, and it turned out to be a positive. You know, mm -hmm. that person really, they called the restaurant, tell them how great my company is, how good mm -hmm. I responded. And I'm going, wait a second, this is, this is, none of this was even a, you know, a problem, you know? So I, that really taught me a lot. And I, and I have to continually apply that though, because, you know, generally these are kind of um, patterns of habits and the ways we think. And it's yeah. really generally from some other point of your life, maybe how you were conditioned to it. And I think that, you know, that's something that's really good to be aware of to kind of find a way to step outside yourself and identify these things that we do. Absolutely. And what do you feel that is your worst entrepreneurial experience and what did you learn from it? And now I went, you can mention skate after school or, or any other your entrepreneurial ventures, anything yeah. that you feel like oh, that was struggle and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think, I think luckily with, um, with skate after school with, you know, doing that, uh, the experience for everyone involved has always been so positive. It's hard to think of any kind of low point, right? You know, we're really, really fortunate in that. And it's really fun. Um, but, but of course, with, um, you know, like the valet business, it's, you know, in the hospitality industry, so you're going to have challenges for sure. And I think the lowest point of my entrepreneurial experience was, um, 
something where I tried to keep every client happy, no matter who they were and what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, and I also had, you know, a lot of friends working for me and I wanted to accommodate all of them. So what I was doing was um, a huge mistake I was making was I had, I had clients that were very respectful, weren't very positive, weren't even necessarily that um, profitable of, of people to collaborate with in business or to work with. And, you know, the, the lowest point there was having them kind of be so disrespectful and then bending over backwards, wearing myself out, running myself to the ground for maybe only 10% of my business. You know, it was like, um, you know, they talk about the 80, 20 rule. This is more like a 90, 10 rule. It was like 10% of my clients were getting 90% of my energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I tried my hardest to win everyone because in my mind, kind of like that worry, I also had this fear that if, well, if you lose some business then you might lose it all, you know, it was this worry that, um, you know, this sort of fear that if I have, you know, uh, falling out with one client, then that's going to, word's going to get around or it's going to catch like wildfire. And then it's going to be, you know, sort of the end of me or go out of business or, or this type of thing. You know, this is probably five years ago. And that was the point that I kind of graduated in my mind to realizing that like, wait, you don't have to work with people that are disrespectful to you. You don't have to um, work with people that are abusive or negative and, and realizing that that's not a sign of failure. It's actually a sign of success that mm-hmm. hey, there's more success for my business. Here's more success for my life. I've learned who I want to work with and how I want relationships to go. And after parting ways with some of those clients, suddenly my life and my stress levels, everything just improved so much that I just realized I was, man, why was I trying to keep, why was I trying to keep that business around? You know, why did I think back then, why did I think in my mind that if I lose one client, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm failing at business, I'm a failure you know, I was measuring my success in a really bad way. And that was the low point for sure is I did not know how to measure my success more or less. And I also didn't know how to um, demand the respect that I deserved, you know, looking for only mutual purpose relationships. So, you know, my advice to people would just be look out for those mutual purpose relationships and make sure that everything, you know, works well both ways. You know, if what, you know, you're giving back what you, what you get and you're, and you're getting what you give. Yeah, I relate 100% with you on this, Bobby, because sometimes I'm going to have clients, students that are high maintenance, that, man, no matter what do we do, they're not happy, so they better train somewhere else. And one struggle that personally I had that you relate to, it's re- related to staff. And we talk about this on episode three with Tim Crater. Mm-hmm. We talk about his biggest entrepreneurial struggle was the same as mine is the same as Robert Drysdale, the same, especially people who come from jujitsu that exactly what you did hiring friends or in this case in jujitsu, it's changing. The market is absolutely changing, but years ago, but still for the most part, you don't put an ad, you go around, you know, who is available, Mm -hmm. who is interested, but nowadays it's, it's shifting a little bit, but for the most part, you look who's around and then you have a certain type of relationship. And now maybe you, you just used to like, it's like in your case, you just skateboarded the dude. He's a cool dude, but you don't yeah. know his work ethic. You know oh, what I mean? Man. Oh man. These guys and skateboarders too, with their trips, everybody's about to leave town for two weeks or a month and they're all amateur sponsored. So all these guys had companies that would buy them a plane ticket and a hotel and send them to a contest or send them to film, but they didn't make enough to live off of it. 
Mm-hmm. So they were always just letting me know, Hey, next week I'm gonna be gone for two weeks. So just take me off schedule for two weeks, you know, and you've got a business to run you around here and man, that would be so challenging, you know? So there is, you know, people just take advantage and they're not aware they're taking advantage. They think that in that situation that they're being reciprocal, but they're not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this is a huge challenge. You know, I realized that it's better to kind of have, you know, you can have some friends work for you still or people that work with, but it, yeah, absolutely. Has, to be, it has to be balanced and fair. And, and man, did I wear myself out trying to keep everybody happy. <laughs> Man, yeah. a I think learned. creating those boundaries is one thing that I've been utilizing, and I feel that it's a great advice for people who work with maybe family. It, it's still a challenge of friends. I like to say, for example, in in my uh, situation with the academy, I mean, we're gonna wear different hats, you know. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I'm gonna have a, a hat of maybe the teacher of the person. And someone that is a lot closer, the friend hat, and then there's the boss hat. The yeah. problem is when everything becomes one hat, and that's when the problem comes in. And that's when I learned my lesson, if I have to say my struggle, is to understand that even when I'm going to break down a conversation, that if I'm going to break down with you, for example, and say, Bobby, we're talking here as you know, a teacher and a student, you know, is one thing. And then we're doing business together, like, okay, forget, you know, that, that hat, we're not using the hat right now. We're using the business hat right now. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So don't take personally. So be like, oh man, I thought we were like, no, 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 no. Don't make things. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Talking about this year. So with the, the skateboarding, be like, all right, I know we're boys, this and it, but okay. This is a different hat. Okay. Now Bobby has a diff, that is a different hat. That's the business one. So I feel that this is a, a great tool, let's say, that I use almost daily, you know, because I work with a lot of friends, you know, and I have to keep the boundaries and always explain to them before, like, hey, just to let you know, I'm putting the, the boss hat, okay? Yeah. And then we can talk and talk about business and not mix things up. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, you share that story with me because that reminds me too, is like with my wife, you know, Candice was always telling me when she started, you know, um, dating me, you know, it was always about, you need to become the owner of your business. You know, you're an employee right now. And I went from, I kind of graduated within my business. Early on, I had no choice but to be an employee, mm-hmm. but to go from employee to manager and manager to owner. And um, this is really important for entrepreneurs, I think, is yeah. to make sure that you're not an employee of your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not also even just a manager of your business. You have to be the owner because, and, and what that means is I used to try and prove to everybody, hey, look how hard I'll work. You know, look, I'm working as many shifts as you. I'm out there in the parking lots, parking all the cars with you. I work every day. I work doubles and doubles and doubles. And what happens is maybe that person works three days a week, but then someone else works two days a week. And you're trying to do everything you can to run yourself on the ground so that everybody knows how hard you work and respects you and you want to earn their respect. But then you have no energy left to grow the business, to protect their jobs. You have no energy left to solve problems. You have no energy left um, for your own personal life. So, you know, what I really found was that I went from, you know, the relief of just stopping to be an employee and becoming a manager, but then I still was working too much, trying to show everybody how hard I was going to work for them to earn their respect. Mm -hmm. And then I realized after a time, it's about systems and people. So I attracted the right people to become managers and I put the right systems in place for those managers. And that's how I've been in business with the valet for 11 years is because I have two full-time managers. I recognize that, Hey, I shouldn't be out in, you know, parking lot seven days a week trying to prove to people 
that, hey, look how hard I'll work for you. You know, it's, it's not the, the healthiest way to run a business. So for, for people that listen that are entrepreneurs or thinking about starting a business, it's more for the small business operators. Of course, mm-hmm. if you have huge venture capitalist money and you have investors and you take a big loan and you're going to start a business with a big structure, then you already know this. Mm-hmm. A lot of people might be thinking about starting something small and that would be, you know, something good to hear us both talk about is that, hey, watch out if you make yourself the employee or just the manager of your business because you're going to wear yourself out. And the only time you're going to grow is when you finally break that cycle. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. But this is one of the things that we have to live. We have yeah. to live that experience. Someone may have told you this a while back yeah. and be like, I ain't got time for that, man. I got to grind. <laughs> you know what I yeah. Mean? yeah. So it's one of the things that we can say, we can like heads up, like, yo, just watch it. But yeah. people just have to live that experience. Yeah. Now, what would you say is a one high performance habit that you have that helped you progress in jujitsu in life? Something you, you do daily, if it's in a mindset, if, if it's a habit, what is it? Um, they, you know, my, my high performance thing is, is my discipline and sort of my routine. So what I do is I just make sure that every day that I have, you know, my list of things I'm going to accomplish. And I just like almost to a fault, no matter what I go through my routine, if I'm gonna, you know, I get up, you know, with my daughter and my wife and, you know, we prepare her day or food, get everything ready, you know, to take her to grandma's, that type of thing. It's like, you start the day with that routine, like without fail, I'm going to get up with her no matter how I'm feeling. Uh, what's going on and, and take her to grandma's and, and do about an hour of phone calls and emails and then go train jujitsu, the 10 a.m. class. And no matter what's going on, I schedule all my meetings around that. I take that personal time for myself uh, because I think that's super important to do and um, go do that and then go on with my day from there for my meetings and, and um, my list of things that I need to accomplish. So the most important thing that I think that I do is that um, – I just am super disciplined with the routine. I just don't let things come in and take anything from what I'm trying to accomplish in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what somebody says is going on somewhere else or what they want from me at 10 a.m., that's not happening. It's jujitsu. You know, it's, I'm sorry, I signed up for this. Or, hey, you know, people ask me if I can come in and meet them to do a walkthrough in the evening, but I go pick up my daughter, you know, at four o'clock a little bit early to spend more time with her. Um, and someone will try and get me to come and do that. And I just say, no, I'm sorry, I don't, you know, bring my daughter to meetings. I don't, oh, could you just come do a walkthrough real quick or just come check this? No. Like, I put my limits in, in place and I just make sure to take care of my routine. So um, that's, that's definitely like, you know, maybe it's not one particular mindset or one exact no, habit. It is but, the, the routine yeah. or the discipline of sticking with a plan. You got a plan, you stick with it. Don't let people disturb it. Unless it's something major. Something yeah, exactly. Better. Yeah, we got, we got it. This needs to be taken care of right now. Yes. If it's not, can wait. Okay. Can you reschedule? Okay. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. So what did you say is the best advice you ever received? The best advice maybe I've received, um, you know, kind of a simple one is that, you know, people don't think about you as much as you think they do. Mm-hmm. And realizing that, you know, <laughs> half the time we think that, oh, hey, you know, these people want me to fail or I have haters or no one wants me to succeed, but I believe in myself. But they don't. The reality is they're not thinking about you that much. So if you're worrying too much about other people thinking, they're thinking about their problems. They're thinking about themselves. 
So, you know, just like in anything I've done, whether it's, you know, the valet business or skate after school or these things, if you're a little bit timid about putting your foot forward in this direction, or you're a little worried about this failure, um, or, you know, maybe not trying something, it's just, you know, because of what you think people think. The reality mm -hmm. is they're not thinking about you. Yeah. you know, they're thinking about themselves and you're just getting in your own head. So it just, the best advice I got was just somebody saying to me, you know, hey, you know, all this stuff you're talking about is revolving around the, the worry of what this client might think or what this co-founder might think or what this, and they're not even thinking about that. So Absolutely. you just got to do you, you know? And uh, especially you've been competing, you've been, at, you're an active competitor also, but that's something that I, I like to share. And I think I even wrote that in my book too. I mentioned that because sometimes people go, they lose a, oh my God, I'm going to just, you know, such and such going to be so disappointed this and that because of loss someone just like oh i lost oh that sucks anyway my day da, 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 da. Yeah. you know what i mean they're not going to yeah. be like two days i can't believe he lost that yeah. you know what i mean yeah. people have yeah. other more important things to do you know so for people who have any competition coming up and you worrying that much about the results of what others going to think Yes, they are not spending that much time thinking about your performance. They might be sad, like, oh, that sucks. I, I want him to win. That's about it. You know what I mean? They, yeah, I've gotten back. On, I've gone to tournaments. I mean? like, oh, hey, what's up? They don't even know you competed. You know, you went somewhere and you won and you come back and you're all happy, you know, and it's like, you just make sure, you know, it's just, it's for you, you know, and the same thing. I've gone places. I've flown across wherever and lost my first match, fly back, walk in the gym. Hey, how'd the tournament go? Oh, I lost my first match. Was, yeah, I'm trying to tell them like maybe something about it. And then they just, someone else walks in and then they just tell a joke to that person and then start mm -hmm. a conversation. You just, oh yeah, okay. There's no, you know, no one else was worried about this. That's for sure. So what advice would you give to your younger self? Let's say when, uh, when you start your volley um, business, let's say. You know, I, I think, I think the best advice I would give my younger self is, is to, um, is to not doubt yourself, you know, is like, I just, I was starting it and I really believed it was going to work well, but then I would get halfway through a process and then kind of start to let kind of doubts creep in, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that it would just be, just follow through with the process, just trust the process. That's the advice I would give myself when I was younger, because if you think about the end result of something, it's always going to seem overwhelming. You know, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be successful. Well, it's really hard to go from day one to success. It's hard to go from, you know, I want to compete at Worlds, you know, and then just imagine that you're just out there in the final today. But if you just write up your, your, your work plan or you write up your training plan and you just stick to it, suddenly you just arrive at the big day or you just arrive at the moment of success because of the process. So I'm always like, with my routine, the reason I referenced the routine earlier is that like, it is I always just take care of the process. You know, I kind of exist in that space much mm -hmm. more than fixating on one thing. So I didn't learn that too well early on. I had to learn it in practice, but yeah, for sure. My advice to my younger self would be just trust the process. What would you say is the book that made an impact on you that uh, you'd recommend to someone? I like, I really like the book, um, Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I really like a lot of his books and, and his speeches and, and, uh, he has a podcast called Revisionist History. That's really interesting, but the book Tipping Point is, is really about how, um, little things make a big difference. Yeah, so throughout one. the book, he gives, yeah, throughout the book, he gives a lot of really good examples and just things that help you think about it. And it's just like, 
you know, you can apply it right back to your life every time, you know, and just things like he talks about 80, 20 principle. He talks about the stickiness factor and recognizing that, you know, something like that is anything that creates a memorable moment in your life that will have an impact. And I think that, you know, that stickiness factor really applies to, um, jujitsu and the same thing like with skate after school is just realizing how big of a moment this might be in this kid's life, how big of a difference you're really making by, um, you know, interacting with them and sharing something with them that they really enjoy. You know, it's like if a kid shows up to a basketball court in 105 degrees to learn skateboarding, then they really care and they really want to learn it and they're excited about it, you know, and just realizing that that interaction that um, all the volunteers, you know, have with the, with the kids, that type of thing is like you're creating a memory that will absolutely um, stick with somebody and give them confidence that will steamroll into much bigger things in their life. Uh, same thing in jujitsu, you know, if you're coaching or working with people on something, you know, from your perspective of, of coaching or mentoring, um, just creating moments for people that can be so small for you, but can have a huge impact on them for their whole life. Yeah. And one of the things I think it talks about the compound effect, the importance of yeah. every day doing the tiny bit every day. It's like reading a book. If you read 10 pages every day, at the end of the year is 3,650 pages that around 15 to 20 books. If you invest your timing, 15, 20 books that can make such a dramatic change in your life and your business. It's not even funny. 10 pages a day, you know, that compound yeah. effect little by little. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly, that's exactly why I kind of, you know, reference that book in context to like how I said with my process, you know, maybe it was around the time even I read that book that helped me even understand my process better and just like chipping away, you know, I always tell people I'm like, you know, hey, chip away. Yeah. So what are you currently excited about? I'd love to hear what's going on with Skate After School. Um, I'm really excited for this upcoming school year because it looks like we're going to be um, at least starting out with eight different um, underprivileged schools and be able to reach, a, you know, at least 300 kids every single nice. week this coming school year. And we have an awesome team of volunteers. Um, super excited tonight. We have our board meeting. Those are always really fun because that's when the new ideas come into play. Mm -hmm. And you look at just different ways you can grow and different ways you can just uh, increase your impact everything else. So we'll be meeting tonight for, for the board meeting and then get all the volunteers good to go for the school year. And, um, you know, even look to expand into, you know, different school districts and areas where kids are in need. So um, it's, it's growing and we're going to be collaborating with some other um, big companies in the skateboard industry this coming year. So just a ton of awesome stuff to look forward to and um, be increasing our content as well. And if people follow us, um, on Instagram at skate after school. It's a super fun, positive page to, to follow. Uh, I definitely recommend it. You don't have to be a skateboarder mm -hmm. to, uh, to get some smiles out of it. That's for sure. Awesome. So we come to close to the end of the interview. So just reminding the listeners to stick around for my final thoughts of the interview. And that's it. I was going to ask you uh, maybe a, a message for the entrepreneurs out there. And you mentioned about Instagram, if you want to mention about your, the website, that how people can donate as well. Um, for Skate After School, everyone should check out our website at um, skateafterschool.org. has a lot of good information on there about our program, different ways people can donate, and gives you information about how you can become a volunteer or find places to drop off new or used skateboard 
equipment that can be used by all the kids, including helmets. So maybe you have some old helmets in the garage mm -hmm. and we can have you drop them off at one of the local skate shops. And uh, that would definitely make its way to the kids. That's for sure. Our skate after school um, Instagram is just all one word. The handles at skate after school. And uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. If we get a follow from you and uh, keep a, keep an eye out for what we're doing right now and in the future. And I guess, you know, a good parting message to all the entrepreneurs um, out there would be to, to get a mentor. I think it'd be super important. I maybe the best thing that I ever did was get somebody with a lot more experience than me that gives me a really unbiased opinion. Um, and, and I think that that's probably helped me grow more than anything is just getting really positive um, and critical feedback uh, when necessary, you know, and just a way for someone to check in and, and look at what you're doing and can really help you evaluate yourself much better and uh, really grow from there. So I think just sticking around people that are all at your level or don't have experience in what you're doing is a good way to sit around uh, continuing to sort of wonder what could be or wonder what you should do next, whereas somebody else might be able to recognize even things you're doing well that you're not even aware you're doing well. Yeah. And more importantly, you. things you're not doing well. So I would say to everybody out there, uh, look, look for a mentor, you know, and hopefully, hopefully that mentor finds you, but if not, go find one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bobby, for the interview and for all the listeners stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Thanks so much. Let me share my final thoughts from the interview with Bobby Green, the co-founder of the nonprofit organization Skate After School. I always suggest people to reflect on at least one main takeaway from each interview, and hopefully you're able to grab at least one good insight that you can apply in your life personally and or professionally. My takeaway, which I relate very much so, is what his wife Candace, who matter of fact is a blue belt at GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Tempe, Arizona, said to him in regards to his valet business. She said, you need to stop being an employee at your business and become an owner. I totally get in the beginning of especially a small business. You have to put the hours. You have to hustle. You can't afford too many employees. So you have to put the extra work. Being there, done that. He mentioned how he used to park the cars with the other employees to show them how hard he was working. And he wanted to set the example of the proper work ethic. And I heard the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, one of my virtual personal development mentors, mentioned once, efficient is doing things right. Effective is doing the important things right. And through Candace's advice, he said that he graduated from employee to manager and eventually from manager to owner, which gave him the flexibility to become more effective, open up another business, Pyramid Country, a company that provides skateboarding accessories and apparel, and is sold all over the world, plus to become the co-founder of Skate After School. That advice gave him the clarity to pursue the new vision for his business, which automatically reflected on his professional and personal life as well, giving him more freedom to pursue his main passion, skateboarding, and you can do the same. In your entrepreneurial journey, you will make tons of mistakes, period. If you don't want to deal with failure, then entrepreneurship is not for you. Now, if you're not only interested but committed to pursue the vision that you want for your business so you can achieve the success you desire, you will need help. You will not be able to pursue your goals and dreams by yourself. And that is a lesson that personally <laughs> took me a while to really understand. And there is an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, 
go alone. If you want to go far, go together, which means you will need a team, a full staff, and everyone needs to be aligned to the vision of the business if you want your business to last, which, by the way, is the name of a book by Jim Collins and Jerry Porras called Built to Last, Successful Habits of Visionary Companies. Matter of fact, Jim Collins wrote one of the most impactful business books that I've ever read, the bestseller with over 3 million copies sold called Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. And today, I'd like to share with you the main takeaway that I got from this book. And I implement this concept analogy in every business that I own. And I strongly suggest you to reflect on this. So here we go. I would like you to imagine a bus that is going to represent your business. Any type of bus. In front of your bus, there is a sign showing where it's heading to. The sign of the bus is your vision for the business, okay? The chapter three of the book is titled, First Who, Then What? What does that mean? In order for your business to achieve the vision you desire, three crucial things need to happen. Number one, the right people need to be on the bus. Number two, the right people need to be sitting on the right seats because you may have an amazing quarterback, but if you put him to play tight end, it will not serve him or the team. So he should be on the bus, however, in a different seat. And number three, whoever is not in alignment with the vision of the bus must be removed from the bus. Someone may say, but Gustavo, you don't understand, dude. He or she is my best friend. We grew up together. Or you don't understand. He or she is family. Okay, you do whatever you want. It's your bus and your vision. I'm just sharing the concept that have helped so many companies not to become just good, but rather great companies. Currently, in September 2018, I have a few different buses per se. And I'm very happy with the passengers of my bus, GD Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And I tell you what, it was a struggle to have the right passengers on a bus. I made tons of mistakes, and I still do, but I do my best to learn from it. I started to reevaluate the passengers of my bus. Whoever I wasn't happy with it, I decided to put them in different seats. Some of them shined when I made the switch, and they stayed, and some of them didn't. With some passengers, I gave the opportunity to change seats again, and they continued not shining, so I had no choice but remove them from the bus. And now the academy offers 45 classes per week to 400 students, and I don't even teach classes anymore. I'm officially retired from teaching. Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to impress you with my accomplishment, look what I did, look at my business. No, 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 no. This is just to convey to you that when you have a clear vision, for the sign of your bus, and when you take the three steps of getting the right people on the bus, getting the right people on the bus sitting on the right seats, and make sure that whoever is not in alignment with the vision of the bus must be removed from the bus, you will graduate from employee to manager, then from manager to owner, just like Bobby and I did. So if you're struggling right now with staff situation in your bus, and you're an employee of your business, and you'd like to become an owner so you can become even more effective, not efficient, like Wayne Dyer said, listen to your heart 
and make it clear to the passengers where your bus is heading to. If they're not aligned with the vision of your bus, they might have to be removed from the bus. And as Bob Marley said, life is one big road with lots of signs. So when you're riding through the ruts, don't complicate your mind. Flee from hate, mischief, and jealousy. Don't bury your thoughts. Put your vision to reality. Wake up and live. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.